Welcome to Face Your Faith. We hope this topic study will help you grow deeply in your relationship with God, to be fearless in your faith, and to present others the Word of God in freedom and in peace. Today our topic is grace, amazing grace. And grace isn't something I think about very often. It's not a part of my daily vocabulary and honestly not something I could even put a solid definition to if asked out of the blue. And don't start judging me for that or think more highly of yourself than you ought for thinking you have the answer. While I have a good understanding of the word in my head, which I'm sure you do as well, and could use various educated sounding words to describe it literally, I would have a very hard time giving a definition, as I said, off the cuff, of grace that would make anyone fully understand the feeling and magnificence of grace. And once again, we are investigating a word that, while it is a definition, it is so much more than a set of descriptive words. It is, in fact, an expression of God, a gift, a part of God's very identity from Him to us. So let's look at what the dictionary has to say about the word grace. And it says, unmerited divine assistance given to humans for their regeneration or sanctification. And that's a pretty good definition for the word, but leaves 99.9% .9 of us still not having a clue what that looks like. So let's go on to the next definition. It says, a virtue coming from God. Okay, that's nice sounding too. Next, a state of sanctification enjoyed through the divine assistance. All right, again, sounds really solid and good. And how about our last portion of the definition, which says, mercy, pardon, a temporary exemption, a reprieve. Okay, that's getting a bit more descriptive and clear now, I think. But as of now, this is not an explanation that does anyone any good in understanding anything about grace than when they first heard the word. Yes, Christians, including those in church leadership, love to toss around words like grace, sanctification, mercy, pardon, etc. But for most of us, including those with a background in theology, they are for the most part just words we use to sound religiously wise, and worse yet, we are rarely taught how to experience any of these words. Yes, grace, sanctification, mercy, and pardon are all words we need to recognize but only the recognition of how to accept and experience those words are ultimately all that is of any value to anyone on the planet. For example, knowing the Bible or having head knowledge of the Bible and knowing the words, the context and grammar you read in the Bible is for the most part useless until you experience the words, feel the words, and know it personally and passionately. And this we know to be true since the Word of God is not just words, but God Himself. Remember, knowing doesn't make you any more holy than knowing Little House on the Prairie. John 1.14, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Moving on, again, we have our definitions that are logical to the word, yet it tells us nothing of its powers and abilities in the life of a human, handed down from God, and especially in a life of a believer. 
I think it's critical that while we are in the dictionary, we need to keep going and look at a few more words that are in our first definition. And the first is mercy. And the definition of mercy is kind or forgiving treatment of someone who could be treated harshly, who could be treated harshly. Second, kindness or help given to people who are in a very bad or desperate situation. Next, compassion or forbearance shown especially to an offender or to one subject to one's power. And lastly, lenient or compassionate treatment. Well, now we're getting somewhere with our word grace by way of the word mercy. Now we are seeing a definition that is a bit more accessible and much more relatable and invokes a sense of feeling out of the word. Now let's look at another definition and that of pardon. And that is defined as the excusing of an offense without exacting a penalty, excuse or forgiveness for a fault, offense or discourtesy. Next, to absolve from the consequences of a fault or crime. And finally, to allow an offense to pass without punishment, to forgive. Yes, that's getting very relatable now. And we can feel the word pardon because we know what it feels like to be excused, forgiven for having done something wrong, let off the hook for our stupidity or negligence. This is a pretty relatable definition now. And now onto our last important word to define, and that is forgive. And the dictionary says of forgiveness, to cease to feel resentment against an offender, to grant relief from payment of. And I think at this point, we have gained a very real and felt understanding for this word grace and the power that is in it. And we haven't even seen it at work and defined by God yet in his word. But let's recap our all-inclusive overview of the word grace. We see by virtue of the various other definitions, it boils down to this. Excusing or forgiving a fault or offense without punishment. And that sounds exactly like salvation and forgiveness of sins. All the rotten things we do daily. Now take careful note of this, however. Notice these definitions, even just in the dictionary, point out without punishment. But it nowhere says there won't be consequence. And this we clearly see in God's word. So let's jump right in to God's word and come to terms even more deeply with God's amazing grace. And our first passage we will look at is Titus 2, 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live life self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for who his own possession, who are jealous for good works. And we see very clearly from this passage that the grace appeared, grace showed up, and grace brought salvation for each of us. And that grace was Jesus Christ who gave himself over to the punishment we would have otherwise had to face. He pardoned us from punishment. It says Jesus did this to redeem us from lawlessness, corruption, and wanted to purify us for himself his very own special people who really need to get real and hunger to do his will and follow him. Moving on, Romans 5, 8 backs this up and says, 
But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Another beautiful example of grace. Again, while we were running amok in self and carelessness and lawlessness, God showed us grace in and through Jesus, which is our amazing grace. Continuing with 1 John 1.14, it goes even deeper. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Yet again, he, Jesus, was full of grace. Notice it doesn't say he came to tell us about his grace. It is very clear that the object of grace came to us and a living, breathing example of its reality, not what it means. Another example for us is, if I am starving to death, I am not interested at all in the definition of the word food and hunger and starving and eating or any other definition for that matter. All I'm interested in is having the experience of being filled up in order that I might live. And I am convinced that this is what God desires of us far more than being familiar with and using Bible vocabulary. We need to get real with words from God and how to experience all of his words throughout the Bible. I strongly believe also that too many of us are so good at knowing where the books of the Bible are, how many books are in the Bible, have memorized scripture, reading the Bible in a year, and quote, know the fruits of the Spirit, yet very few believers live it out, own it, and experience God's word and bear a fraction of the spiritual fruit they could otherwise bear if we would just start consuming God's word as a tangible, real feeling rather than eloquent Christian sounding vocabulary. I'm drilling down into this because it is, again, I believe a major reason so many young people are walking away from the church today. Perhaps those walking away from the church are more interested than we think in really being fed with God's word, shown what grace really looks like rather than being talked to for 45 minutes about the Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic definitions of grace. Could it also be more people are also looking for an authentic place to discover God and not a venue that attempts 60 minutes of entertaining ourselves in front of God, but more on that in several future study topics. I believe there is a hungry world out there waiting to be fed with God's grace. And there is a world that desires to be filled up with that amazing, amazing grace, that gift from God. And that is the obligation, not the job, of those who are called to explain and live out the word of God. Let's continue. Ephesians 2, 1 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Again, salvation is the gift of grace, not an understanding or idea to keep in your mind. 
Further proof that grace is far more than a definition in our lives and something we try to get and give and have holy chats about. Perhaps if the church showed and really demonstrated grace, we would not need to keep talking about it. Perhaps if the church and believers lived out many additional words from God, we wouldn't need to keep talking about them every Sunday in sermons and Bible studies. Perhaps we would become so much more attractive to the world if we just kept our mouths more shut than open because we were really interested and intent on living out the Word of God. Continuing in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, And God is able to make all grace abound in you, so that living all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And this goes back to the statement about starving to death and the need to be filled up. It speaks to the idea of living out God's word, not running our mouths incessantly about the meaning of what we are supposedly doing for God. In our next passage, we see that grace can be perverted, however, if we are not careful. Jude 1, 4. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Here again is a very pointed example that grace is so much more than a word because it is something that can actually be altered by certain people. I think at this point, we have more than covered the understanding that grace is an often overly misused Christian-sounding word or phrase to make people think they're nice, holy, and very into God. Grace and peace be with you. Let's stop using the word grace and let's start consuming it, living it, holding it, absorbing it, and stuffing ourselves with it. And if we allow that to flow from our lives from God, no one will care what it is. They will simply want what we have And there comes our ministry, our testimony through grace to the world. And just how do we live all this out? First, as we read earlier, grace is a gift from God through his son, Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man. So that means if you have not acknowledged that completely and also accepted that completely and asked for the gift of grace, which will pardon you because of God's mercy for you, then you will not know much else than the definition of grace and what the world might extend to you in the form of grace as a grace period so you can, by chance, be late on your credit card bill or car payment. But understand, that's not really grace either, because if you are in debt, you will not simply be excused and pardoned from being in debt. No, chapter 11 doesn't work that way either. You will still owe what you shouldn't have potentially, if not very likely, bought, that you could not afford. However, by allowing God to fill you up with his grace, all the mistakes you made and make, all the things you bought of this world and will continue to buy that are not of God will be pardoned because of his grace and mercy. Keep in mind the words pardon and mercy are also, and once again, not just terms we are to learn and quote, understand the meaning of, These words are as alive and real as grace and God himself. At this point, it is important to include for those who have not accepted this immense and unexplainable gift of grace, the following message is for you, 
from God. John 3.16 and Romans 10.9 For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Second, if you have truly accepted God's grace through faith, now you need to live grace out and show the world what grace looks like, not a definition or explanation of grace from Sunday school. You've got to know this and believe this 100% because there is no faking it. And while we are on that point, make sure you are not full of fake grace. Remember, just because you may have received Jesus as Lord and Savior does not mean you are not very capable of pretending your way through Bible vocabulary. And perhaps worse yet, parroting what we think and what we have been told sounds holy. But I'll stop there on that topic as well, since that is a future study topic. So here's our passage for genuinely living grace out. 2 Corinthians 8, 7. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And there we have it. See that you excel in this act of grace. Paul says you need to live out grace, excel at it, not talk about grace. And Paul even doubles down on this point at the beginning of his statement and says, as you grow in everything you do, as you excel in everything that you do, faith, speech, knowledge, be sure to grow in showing grace. He makes it very clear that grace, he separates this grace from faith, speech, and knowledge. Let's put it like this. Faith is what I believe. Speech is what I profess. Knowledge is what I understand. And grace is what I show and receive. And that is what the life of a believer looks like who is excelling in all things that God has given us. Let's close with these last three passages from Acts 20, 32, 1 Peter 5, 10, and 1 Peter 1, 13. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Let's pray. O oh, Father, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. We once were lost, but now we've been found. We were blind, but now we see. It was grace that taught our hearts to fear, and grace our fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour we first believed. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. It's grace that's brought us safe this far, and grace will lead us home. 
Lord, help us that we would accept and own and live out your amazing grace with excellence and joy in all things and in all ways. Keep us from being fake and ignorant of your word and seek your face desperately to be authentic, grace-living children, grace-filled children. And we ask this in the name of our gracious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you are joining us by podcast, please visit our website at faceyourfaith.com for more information and resources.